Welcome to the See Through Design podcast, where we have an open and honest conversation about design life. Hosted by myself, Casper Samano. And myself, Liam Jackson. So, Liam, you had a subject today. What was that subject you wanted to bring to the table? I think it was actually you, but... Um, was it me? Yeah. Okay. But yeah, we've got a whole list of ideas for future episodes. And again, if you have any ideas for episode, please get in touch. Uh, that would be amazing. So today, we Kaz decided that we would talk about ideas. Okay, yeah. And I guess, well, yeah, on the list, it was just written as ideas. But I guess we're talking about ideas generation in terms of design. Yep. I think it's really prevalent and honestly um, a good topic to discuss. I think it's one that's probably been brought up in many podcasts. And it's something that will keep going and being discussed about until the end of time, really, isn't it? Kind of, you know, how to generate ideas. For me, I find it sometimes the hardest part of the job. They don't always magically appear and sometimes they need to be taken, you know, you need to take a bit more work to kind of get them out there. Today, for example, it's been a hard day for ideas and I'm working on projects and I'm like, oh, I'm not sure if it's really coming together and I'm struggling with the idea. I'm not too happy with the ideas that I've got or, you know, maybe they don't feel unique enough, which is probably a word that we can, you know, talk about and they don't feel original enough. And sometimes I think we are our own worst enemy because I think we kind of know as designers what we should be doing. We know what we should be telling ourselves at these points. And some of you might not. And I think that's cool because hopefully in this podcast, we'll be able to discuss and give you some hints and tips about how to get those ideas going and and the ways that we do it. But we're not always the best at practicing what we preach. I know for a fact that that's been me today. I've I've done the total opposite of the advice that I'm going to probably talk to you guys about today. And Liam has um, kindly, you know, had a chat prior to this podcast and we've gone through some of the work that I'm working on. And it's kind of brought me back into the room when, when, when honestly, you know, you kind of feel a bit panicked and a bit worried, a bit struggle, struggling. So um, it's, it's natural and happens to all of us. I think process is probably what generates ideas. What would you say, Liam? Yeah, process definitely helps. It's kind of joining the dots, isn't it? So number one, you need a conversation with the client and you need a brief. Whether that brief is very complex or full of direction or whether it's just a simple conversation, I still think it's good you need some kind of brief as like a starting point. So if you haven't got a brief, I would definitely say get a brief and make sure you understand that brief. And if you have got questions, ask them because sometimes the ideas you create might be way off brief if something that isn't clear. And as I say, if it's a big job, it could be a very complex brief. So the, the thing you were talking about before, Kaz, was social media posts. So you could have a quite a basic brief for that type of job. What's the first steps for you? Would you say that it's the same? It's a conversation, it's a brief? Yeah, absolutely. I think for me, it's the conversation and then either the client and myself would create the brief or the marketing department, if they have one, would generate a brief and we'd look to discuss that first and really kind of delve into the idea. What then happens, I guess, is brainstorming would be the next phase I quite like uh, keeping the client in the journey as much as possible. So I'm often 
very much brainstorming with the client. Often you'll find me having a conversation with the client and actually sketching whilst I'm talking because I pick up on the words and the words either get jotted down and then I'll, you know, maybe make a quick scribble of a, an idea and they'll say something. And sometimes I prefer that. I have had a few people say, you're not listening to me, which has come up in conversation. And this is what I mean about this whole idea around the podcast is that there isn't one size fits all rule for everyone. This is the way I do it. And I like talking to people and sketching and writing notes as I go along. You know, I'm not seven-year-old with my tongue sticking out, sketching, biting down on my tongue sort of thing. You know, I am actually paying attention, but I'm doing so in my way. So I think brainstorming is the next step. The next step after that would be kind of more behind the scenes. So, you know, myself minus clients, so hence mood boarding and finding ideas that I like and remixing a number of ideas into a, a kind of a new idea or just looking at a style or a theme and, and kind of going with the theme style to fit the brief. But yeah, apart from that initial stage of generating a brief with a client and maybe involving them in the brainstorming and actually those conversations slash sketch times, that, that would be the last time that I kind of you know interact with the client until I maybe show them proof one of the designs. All of this as well depends on what project we're talking about. Is it a UX or a UI or a branding? But yeah, definitely a brief. I also think the client has a lot to give in terms of they know their business or they should know their business inside and out. So getting the information that you need from them. It's about asking the right questions. And if you ask the right questions, you're kind of searching for gold in a way. You ask the right questions, they will give you that gold. You can take that away and it can help generate ideas. So for a branding project, like a logo design, I have a conversation which will go through who they are, who their competition is, where they see themselves in five years' time, what they want their customers to think about them. There's a whole series of questions you ask, and a lot of what they'll actually say can provoke visual images in your head. So that can help generate ideas. And of course, obviously doing research as well from what they tell you, like who their competitors are. So you will fit in with a sector, but that is also telling you how you can be different. So look at the competition and see what's already out there. I think a lot of younger designers, if it's a logo project, they'll go and look at other logos. I know you've mentioned it before, Kaz, like you've heard of other people say they go straight into logo modernism and they'll just look through that. And subconsciously, those ideas are going to go into your head and then you might copy them, whether it's subconscious or not. So I think for me, ideas often come from outside of design. I've recently done a logo for an installation company and I often look at things like technical drawings. So that's what I would look at instead of just going looking at installation logos, say, and try and draw inspiration from outside of design. It's more from their sector than from our sector. Would you consider the word inspiration directly taken from multiple places? Whether that inspiration be the blueprint where you're looking at maybe a linear type of design and you'd be like, okay, I want my design to be linear. Or if your inspiration on your mood board is gradient based and you think, okay, I like to take the gradient. I like that font. I'm going to take that font and then I'm going to base it together. And whether that inspiration is uh, generated off mediums that are design or mediums that are maybe not design, maybe you're looking at you down the local DIY store and you're walking down the tile section and you've seen some quirky kind of effect on a tile and you've gone, actually, that pattern is great. I need to take a bit of that. But to a degree, you are taking something. You have to. That brief should actually narrow down the decision-making. 
So, you know, for, a, for an insulation company, they're in construction, so they need to look strong and like they do good quality work. And you could ask that company, are they cheap or are they expensive? So there you've got three things you could look at. So, okay, when I choose a font, does it look strong? Does it look quality? Does it look cheap or expensive? It needs to look like what you're designing for. So this can help generate ideas. The brief is your direction, isn't it? It keeps you on the, the straight and narrow because designs have a tendency without that limitation to kind of go off on one. And I think that what we've just discussed now, this process is like, the, like almost the perfect, the optimum process that you get to play devil's advocate and to throw a curveball into the situation and into the conversation. It doesn't always happen like that. You might deal with somebody that just does not want to give anything away in a brief. But what do you do? You can't just turn around and cancel all the clients that don't give you the perfect process. So I think then you've got to almost take ownership of the job and compress the processes. So if you're under maybe a time pressure, you try and include as many processes uh, that you can from an idea generation point of view. Think of the ways that you can kind of fast track certain ideas and then try and sort of build your own constraints if you're not getting it from the, the client. I was interested when you were talking about the way that you came about that logo. Um, you know, I like the fact that you mentioned like blueprints and more construction based stuff because that sort of invokes a feel. And yeah, it's quite easy to say, you know, look around and go, I like this. I want a bit of that. I want a bit of this. I want a bit of this, this, and this. And that style of pattern, you know, like I said, you might be in a DIY store and you see it on a tile and you're like, oh, I really like that style of pattern. I want something like that in my design. But when you are designing, I think you should always be asking the question, why is it there? And what does it mean for that design? And why, what's the relevance of it based on the brief, you know, that either one client has kindly put together in so much detail or two, you've had to extrapolate and kind of work out for yourself and it's been a bit more of a slog. But essentially, those are the things that I think you, you kind of can be asking yourself, why? Why is it there and what relevance does it have? So would you agree with that, Liam? Yeah, definitely. I have had one job recently where someone said, you know, just kind of do whatever you want. And to me, that is a big red flag because <laughs> we've all been there where you go away and you do whatever you want. Then they tell you exactly what they wanted and it feels like a big waste of time. So I basically just said to them, can you put a Pinterest board together? And this was for a company that is not, a, it's completely away from the corporate world and is quite a personal business. So in this case, I felt like him putting a Pinterest board together was actually a really good thing to do anyway, because it was very personal to him. So there is always ways around the times when you might not have a brief and it's just about getting as much information as you can. And if that is in a short time frame, just try and extract it because number one, I, the ideas hopefully will be better and you're more likely to be able to sell the idea because at least you can relate what you've done to the inspiration that they've shown you. And if you don't agree with their inspiration, you know, explain why. Because if it is for a construction company, say, going back to that, they might like something that's, I don't know, pink and very fine and delicate, and it might not work. As designers, you know, we're not artists. We're not just doing stuff that we like. In some instances, ideas actually come to you rather than you find them. Does that make sense? 
Absolutely. I think they come to you when you use your subconscious more as well. You know, the conversations around inspiration versus copying and how to avoid those situations. I think, well, you know, let's not be under any illusion that originality doesn't really exist. And I think we as designers should be focusing on differentiation rather than originality. But like I say, my own worst enemy, because I get hung up on it as well. And I have those moments where I'm like, is this different enough? Is it close to any sort of, you know, resource or source? Have I seen it before? And I don't necessarily think this is a bad thing because those sorts of questions drive you to produce something that's actually really quite good at the end. And you don't always want to have 12 rounds with Tyson every time you do a design job. And sometimes that's what hurts. So I think there's some tricks that I've learned in regards to kind of inspiration and how to be inspired. And, you know, using the subconscious more would be maybe gathering your inspiration and sleeping on it and not looking at it. Maybe not having direct inspiration on the screen to the left of you when you're designing the job. Bringing it all back from your mind is a, probably a better way of doing it. You kind of have to, like you said, we're not artists. If a client comes to you with, I like the style of font and text and this really prestigious brochure, for example, and what makes a prestigious brochure? Well, it might have a lot of white space. It might be very kind of Swiss in its internal layouts. It could be a black matte lamb cover on, on this brochure with gold foil. Those ideas don't belong to that person's brochure and they're the things that the client wants. So you're going to have to bring in some of that. Otherwise, you're going to be designing something that they're not going to want and they're not going to be happy about it if they're employing you as a designer. And I don't sometimes think a lot of designers give, I'll let you talk in a minute, Liam, I got quite passionate about this, is that um, I don't, I, I think some designers don't give enough credit to the client because I often hear designers talk about clients like they have no idea. Like they, they talk about them in a way that almost makes them feel like this, you know, they talk, that guy with doesn't always talking about is stupid, but that's not what you should have or whatever. I like to give clients more credit than that because yes, we do need to present something that we as professionals professionals think is meet the brief but they also have to be happy with that and get behind it and I know we're not designing for them and we're designing for the customers that they have and all this sort of stuff but if they've got an idea or they're very entrepreneurial and they've come to you with an idea they've obviously taken the time to research that idea and look at that sector and look at the look and feel within that sector and come to you and say this is where we want to be this is and I want to be here for this these reasons so I like to give client a bit more respect than maybe I've heard other designers give clients. So yeah, that would be how I feel about it. I mean, on the topic of originality, how do you feel about originality, Liam? When I came out of uni, I had it in my head that every single piece of design I had to come up with should be completely unique. And I had this fear and anxiety that what I was doing wasn't unique or original enough, which is not a good state of mind to be in. I also started producing work that probably wasn't right for the job because, like I say, we're, we're not artists. And I think when I was younger at that stage, like we talked about in the last episode about, I spoke about my dad and him, you know, asking me to write out that word. So it had the aesthetic of a child. That did give me the idea from a young age that, oh, okay, so if it needs to look like a child's written it, you know, maybe you should get a child to write it. 
even my dad, going back to my dad, I remember he used to say a creative director he worked with had 10 stock layouts for brochure design. So if he couldn't come up with a new design for a client, he would just choose one of the 10 that he had to hand and it would work. He could also use that as a starting point and then tweak that to make something new. And another friend mentioned some really good advice that was, say you're designing a website, look at one website for header inspiration, look at another website for how they do their about page or any different section of the website and just start to build something because you can sit there and try and be unique all you want but if you actually start to take inspiration from lots of different places and bring them together number one fonts are going to be different colors are going to be different maybe image and graphic treatment is going to look different and you can start to make a hybrid of all those different ideas and bring them together and it will create something new and unique even if it's just a starting point to create some kind of idea and get it down that will help you generate new ideas you know there's a way you can use something out there already to create something new and is that original no i think especially with web design you know there are trends and there are ways of doing things that help with user experience because they've been you know the burger menu it's been done um or certain layouts are done in a certain way to help the user understand it because it's familiar to many websites so things don't have to be original to be good design that's the bottom line i think you know what you need to put at the forefront if it's a website say is it a nice experience for the user you could come up with some crazy website that does bells and whistles but it might be really hard to use for the user or they might not get it so what's the point of you know trying to be so original and so unique that actually it just becomes a design that is not usable and i think when i'm sort of like looking to take from areas of inspiration it might be that you know, if it's a brochure, I love how they've got the page number in the middle of the page centered vertically on the A4, for example, and not positioned to the top left or the bottom right. It's actually in the middle and it's got a little line over it. There's some sort of page furniture there. Would you say that's copying if I took that to build a design from? No, because you're not copying the whole brochure. You know, you're not literally taking their design and copying ah. every single element. You're just copying one small element and I guess your fonts are going to be different, so it would potentially look different anyway. You need to look at the overall picture of are you copying everything or are you just taking inspiration and ideas from small elements that are out there? You know, for anything like, Cash, you're going to design a car. Instead of having a steering wheel, I'm going to have... A joystick of some sort. Yeah, I mean, it would work, but people might be like, I like a steering wheel. That's what I am used to, and I like using a steering wheel. So I change it, but then the whole car shouldn't look like another car. Absolutely. But, but a certain elements are going to be the same. Because there's a style, and a style is based on a trend, and a trend is a, almost a fashion, I guess. And I think we don't like to get hung up on styles, but I do see like this... The style that just kind of goes around in a circle, you know, we, we might be looking at, you know, I know your, one of your favorite designers, same as me, is David Carson. And, you know, when I look at web design and this very much breaking the grid type web approach, I often feel like that's been inspired by David Carson's work and the way that he broke the grid in regards to the brochure designs. And actually, maybe not, you know, maybe they are built around a grid more than we think that they don't actually straight up, you can't see the grid straight away. But, you know, some great designs out there that have looked very abstract or very broken in regards to the grid actually have been built around the grid. So 
you know, um, but that kind of inspiration. But going back to the hamburger menu and that point, thinking about that point, if we take it right back to the origin of the first person, we don't know who that is, let's call him Bob. Bob has designed the hamburger menu and he's introduced it to a website. And Jim comes along and he's like, I want that hamburger menu. And everyone's gone, oh, Jim, you've copied that. You've copied that. That's bad stuff, man. That's not good. You know, you've plagiarized that you copied it. To the point now it's it's now widely used and respected and it's kind of the done thing. Do we go from giving Jim a hard time to now saying he was the pioneer? So I often think that at some point, designers have to be quite brave in the way that they approach projects in a sense that, okay, like, you're, like you said, you know, it's one element of the design, but at some point that was probably quite a unique thing to do. So there was an element of originality when it started and the daringness of Jim has kind of come along and made it a staple of UI design. I think we have to, in our career, make those choices. And I think it comes back to the why. Why is it there? And some things are too good to just leave out. You can't just leave them out because they are perfect for the why. You can tread cautiously and in some areas and, and respectfully, but then there's sometimes when you need to be quite ballsy as well. <laughs> Would you agree or am I kind of talking out of turn here? I've actually just thought of a good way of explaining it is Apple. When they brought out the iPod, that wasn't the first MP3 player, but they made it the best MP3 player out there. They thought, right, people want to carry music around with the headphones. How can we make that better? Before the iPod, you had very little space and it was this little plasticky thing. And they just took it to a whole nother level. And essentially, the product is the same. It's a portable music player that you can put music on. But they just took that and explored it further. So like what you're saying, someone's took the burger menu and they've expanded that. So I think it is about taking elements from other areas and trying to make yours better than what's already out there, which can be a difficult thing. And also the subtlest of change or the subtlest of move around that piece of furniture that's on a page, whether that be print or website, whatever, is, I don't know who said it, so I'm guessing I'm kind of, stealing like an artist when I'm talking to you guys about it. But I often say to myself is, oh, somebody's already probably done that. What can I do to make it just that little bit more special? And I think it's a good question to ask, especially when you sit down in front of a computer and you come up with an idea and you think that's the one, it's taken me five minutes. And sometimes those are the best ideas. But ask yourself, have I challenged it in a way that I can really say it's perfect for the brief and perfect for the job? But is it, have I challenged it in a way that goes, actually, I've done enough here to make it just stand out that little bit more? I would strongly advise kind of asking that question internally throughout the design process. One thing as well, just coming back to ideas and actually generating ideas and the design process and all these things that we've spoken about, if this is all going through your head whilst you're designing, it's going to be one kind of pretty crazy day. And a friend used the word incubation period helps with design as well. So, you know, you could be listening to this podcast because you're struggling with generating ideas and you might listen to it whilst you're working on a certain project, as we sometimes do. We work on projects when we listen to podcasts. But then at some point, you've, you've got to kind of take a break and move away from it and even stop listening to things like this and just do something completely different. Go and watch some telly, get away from your desk and basically just get out of the situation that you're in. That has actually brought me onto another topic that I think we could talk about as well at some point. 
before you do move on to another point, I completely agree about incubation period. Yeah. I, I try and let projects have a period of time so I can sit on stuff and look at it with fresh eyes. You know, so if today I've, you know, if I've done some research and then I'm sketching ideas, then to be able to put them away and kind of forget about the project. As a designer, we all know that you can't really shut off from projects. You'll always be thinking could be on the train or in the shower and you're still thinking about that project but anyway to try and work on some ideas put them to one side and then look at them with fresh eyes i really think that helps because sometimes you might have an idea that you thought was and then you'll actually look at it tomorrow and be like actually there's something there if i just tweak this or change that it could be something really good or ideas that you thought were amazing you actually think no it actually looks too similar to something else i've seen out there or it's just not good so i think incubation periods from step away from design and the ideas generation is good and like you were saying like get outside like being out in the world can generate ideas you might see i don't know if if you're in nature you might see a leaf and you might think oh that would be amazing but i love that shape you know this inspiration is absolutely everywhere and it's definitely away from the computer as well you don't always have to jump on google i remember it was a project i was working on and the agency at the time it was a, a specific place and it was like 20 minutes away on the train and they didn't want to go and visit that place. And I was like, right, so we're designing a logo for a place that's 20 minutes away and you don't want me to go there and just get a feel for the place and have a look around. No, no, it's fine. We haven't got time. <laughs> and we did have time. So, I mean, I ended up going there. In your free uh, time. In my free time, yeah. But there's things like that where if it is a building or a place, that's where you're going to get inspiration from. You're not going to get inspiration sat at your desk. You need to go and look at it and it could be the shape of the building, a specific aspect of it, or even the architecture style, what period was it built. And you can, of course, do that from a distance, if you can get that information but if something is so close why not go and feel it for yourself like you're going to feel emotion rather than just have an idea of what it might be so definitely and get out get out the house and uh, talk, to, talk yeah. to other designers like you've saved me today because i was struggling sat in my own incubation period i haven't done it haven't done any of those things that we just said go for a walk you know get away from the desk i've literally just looked at my screen and gone just create just do it just do it and it's, you know, it gets to half seven in the evening and you're thinking, I haven't done anything, I'm panicking. And I've woken up, you know, the, from an evening of not knowing what I'm going to do on a project, panicking, you know, I've woken up at four in the morning and gone, I still don't know what I'm going to do. But getting grounded by a friend, by a fellow designer, someone that you can relate to, someone that can help you. You don't need to be charging all the time if you're helping another designer or, you know, sharing an idea. It's not what this game's about. At some point, you're going to need that back and kind of what goes around comes around. Is that the phrase? Is that the saying? And you mentioned about going for a walk. I thought of two things that I noted down on a piece of paper based around that. And one kind of comes back to the point that I was making regarding kind of moving off from this point. But essentially, it's how receptive is your boss to those things? So you mentioned about walking or getting away from your desk, going for a walk, maybe taking an afternoon off. These are all more doable things if you're freelancing or you're self-employed. Less doable if your boss isn't receptive to that. And some creative agencies and internal design studios, they're still very much run like a nine to five office. And you have to ask, is the environment I'm working in hindering my chances of creating good ideas? 
am I in the right culture? And we'll talk about culture in other podcasts about, you know, kind of businesses and culture, but is the culture right for generating ideas? And not every day is going to have to be your your perfect day. It's not always going to be, you know, I've gone for a walk, the boss has given me, you know, the afternoon to have a walk. And not only that, the client's given me an amazing brief and, you know, I'm in la la land, loving it, doing great design work all the time because the whole backstory is so perfect. I think it's not going to be like that, but having the right team and not being in a toxic environment and having a boss that was receptive to your needs in order to create ideas is something you need to have awareness about yourself because the worst thing you can do is tell yourself and internalize the idea of not creating ideas and say that it's because of you and you're a bad designer and you're not good enough and you go into not having any self-compassion at all and you end up blaming yourself and worse your company that you're working for is blaming yourself or your clients blaming you because that all mounts up creates a real negative mindset um, so you kind of practice some self-compassion in that sense. I also thought what well, you said, Liam, about creating ideas. And I thought, well, maybe lowering the bar a little bit. You know, you look at Pinterest or you look at things that are around you and you think, man, that's just so good. I'm never going to be able to get there. Or you'll have that kind of first, that real negative internal dialogue. But then eventually you might go, that's my inspiration. I'm going to head for that. And the bar is set so high. You've never explored that level of design. So maybe just lowering the bar a little bit because you might surprise yourself by lowering the bar. You might reach the higher bar just from reducing the expectation and reducing the pressure on your on yourself in order to reach for the optimum all the time. Um, so there were a few things that I had to note down whilst you were kind of talking about that incubation period. I love that, what you've said about the culture and the place you work can really in some ways hinder what your output is and what your ideas are because I've definitely worked in places where I felt like that so I would yeah advise to find somewhere where you do feel like you can spread your wings and it's it's like a no fear mindset you need to be in isn't it where you can just explore and no idea is a stupid idea you explore it and once you've got a whole set of ideas that's when you determine the good and the bad but if you have your mindset on what I create is going to be bad it probably will be bad oh well you're panicking and you're in a negative exactly. state yeah there's i often use this analogy my dad's um, a hairdresser and i think designers there's a lot of pressure on designers to be the web designer the logo designer the brochure designer the poster designer the guy that designs the social media posts um your boss is coming at you and saying you must have an idea but isn't willing to kind of get involved and maybe saying to you that's your job to come up with these ideas my dad's a hairdresser. He can use a pair of scissors. It doesn't mean he can go trim hedges. You know, that's kind of a very similar thing. Designers are expected to be wearing these different hats. And in small agencies or in small businesses, you kind of are felt like you have to be the jack of all trades and the master of none. So I think it's important for the team that you're in to realize to get the best out of you, they have to treat you right as a person and yeah, to treat you right as a person and give you the kind of the environment and the tools you need in order to create those ideas. But also don't work in environments that have blame culture and blame one person because you're all in it together. You're a team at the end of the day. And, you know, to use a bit of a football analogy, if you win, you win together. And if you lose, you lose together. Not one person on a football pitch is scoring all the goals and defending all the goals and he's not running up the pitch, the striker, as many as the midfielder, and then, you know, he's jumping goal. 
it's not a one-man show so yeah i think that would be good advice yeah definitely have you read a book called know your onions graphic design by drew de soto uh yes Right, so a really good book, definitely recommend reading it. There's a section in there where he talks about their studio. I think in the specific example, it's for a logo design. He'll get the whole team around the table. He will present the brief to them. And even the secretary is there. And then for an hour, they all go away and they all sketch ideas down, whether it's notes, whether it's an actual drawing, doesn't matter. Just get as many ideas down as you can on a piece of paper. An hour later, they all come back. And if I remember rightly in the book, he said sometimes the secretary could have come up with the best idea. And sometimes that is because they don't think like a designer. So there's no kind of constraints there or anxiety that they're coming up with a bad idea. They're just like, hey, here's all my ideas. And theirs could potentially be the best idea. So I think like you were saying, you need to work as a team. No idea is a bad idea. You know, it's not out in the world. If you've drawn a sketch on a piece of paper, the client hasn't seen it. It doesn't matter. Just put the idea down. The more ideas you have, you know, as a numbers game, potentially the better ideas you're going to have. So I definitely agree yeah, with the team thing. If you are working as a team, definitely kind of play as a team player. And for us, like you said earlier, as freelancers, speak to your friends that are designers, share your work with them, get their opinion, because it's always good to have that second eye on the work. And also two brains are better than one. So definitely utilize people around you. If you work in isolation, which we all have in 2020, thanks to COVID, but if you work in isolation, the idea is all from you. It's like, it's good to have an outside perspective. One thing I do like about giving feedback or advising other people is you actually learn a lot for yourself as well. I know that sounds very selfish, but it's a very good way to learn and develop yourself. I don't know if you agree with that. What about if the feedback is just to start again? You know, or, or no, I'm, I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm, I'm, jokes aside, it is good to talk to another designer or young or younger designer that you may be mentoring and sort of kind of comment on the work and it does improve you as a person and and actually reminds you of the things that you could be doing on your next design pieces there is a is a way of talking to people isn't there to get the best out of them as well like i I think and this is more directed at say any listeners that may be in a position where they have maybe got um, an opportunity to be the advisor in a situation and somebody's come to them maybe it's a younger designer that's come to them it's like don't really pull up all the things that you think aren't right with the design try and acknowledge some of the good stuff that they've done a friend of mine refers to it as a sandwich (laughs) where you've got the bread in the middle and then the bread at the other side you know tell them what they have done correct and what they are working towards really because i think i genuinely believe that it doesn't matter whether you have an opinion on someone's work and it's no good. The fundamental element and the intent to do good always exists at that point that they started. So with that in mind, if effort's been made, then there is an, always an element of positivity from that design piece. If that makes sense, I might be rambling here. Then maybe go into discussing the aspect of it. You know, what, what can be different? What what, what what isn't quite working? Where's the inexperiences? that can be improved what things have they maybe not explored or 
and do that in a way that isn't demoralizing. And then you've got the other piece of bread at the end of that and you can just give that person the motivation to continue, maybe sit with them whilst they explore a certain idea and a certain route and really be mindful and become a people person. And it kind of goes back to culture again, you know, that's the kind of culture that you want to be in. So Liam, so to kind of wrap up this podcast and the subject we've been discussing around ideas, what are your takeaways from our conversation just now in 30 seconds? Number one, process. Have a good process. This will definitely help you get to a good idea. You need to try and remove fears of always trying to be original. You can take inspiration from other things and create something new. So just remove that fear of always trying to be original. I think the environment that you're in definitely makes a big difference. So like we discussed earlier, if you need to get away from the desk, need to get away from the computer, go for a walk, do whatever it is, but just think about your environment and the people that are in that environment. And also that incubation period where you might step away from a design, work on something else and go back to it at a later time. And then also find some friends or peers that you can actually share your work with in the ideation stage or whatever stage in the project, really. But someone that you can share work with and get honest feedback. What about yourself, Kaz? What are your takeaways? I think mindfulness, compassion, something that I want to talk about in another podcast, you know, being compassionate to yourself and lowering the bar a little bit. Don't always raise the bar so high that it's out of reach. Lower it slightly, get to that point, and then maybe go for the higher bar after. And some of the overlap on what you've just said around communication, really, talking to the right people, getting away from your desk, doing something completely different. And yeah, I think those would be my top takeaways from this conversation. You know, like I say, and like you you say, Liam, you know, if you want to reach out and talk to us about this subject, you know, feel free to do so. And um, yeah, we'll look forward to chatting more on some other design subjects we've got a long list to talk about haven't we yeah definitely definitely share this if you've enjoyed it or just give us feedback in general be awesome comment share subscribe absolutely get some stuff from in there because we um, forget that last time didn't we <laughs> and uh, we're catching up with you on a, another show I guess 